0: podcast that you're listening to is being presented to you in cooperation with the SJ Network. If you're a person who'd like to appear on a podcast, contact Stephen Joyner at s-j-network.com. Let's get on with the show. Before we listen to today's interview with Barry Keston, I was wondering how your eye exam went. I just found out that I'm colorblind. It was quite surprising. The news came out of the purple. Attention, rebels of the Sherpolution. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We would like to give you a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial, simply by heading to www.audibletrial.com Sherpa. There are over 180,000 titles of audiobooks and podcasts, including this one, to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And now, the one and only Mr. Bruce will lead you into the Sherpa Chalet. As a reminder, you are invited to the Sherpa Chalet cake tasting event. Hammers and chisels will be provided free of charge.
1: Coming to you from Sherpa Chalet in beautiful downtown Mount Podcastia, it's time for entertainment interviews in the Sherpa screening room. Grab an aisle seat and a bucket of popcorn, but don't crunch too loud or you'll miss the show. Now, here's your host, Jim, the podcast, Sherpa.
0: Hello there, Rebels, and welcome to the Sherpa Screening Room, a presentation of Too Many Podcasts. You know what that is, the podcast about podcasts. And you know me, Jim, the podcast Sherpa, your guide for leading you through all of this. And you know that. If you are new to the show, the Sherpa Screening Room is my special episodes where I get to speak to creators, actors, writers, singers, directors, musicians, comedians, you name it. They all come down to the Sherpa Screening Room right here on beautiful downtown Mount Podcastia. And today's guest, he falls in that category. His name is Barry Keston, and he is an artist who does parody art. And yeah, he's got a little bit of a comedic background, too. Uh, we got to talking to a whole bunch of stuff. He's a big music lover as well, so we kind of jumped around from topic to topic. You're going to get to know him, and he's going to tell you a little about his artwork and how you can check it out. So have a listen to my conversation with Mr. Barry Keston. Hello there, Rebels. We are here in the Sharp Screening Room. My guest today is a guy on the line. His name is Barry Keston from Long Island, New York. Barry is a satire artist, as in the drawing kind, and uh, he's decided to swing by and say hello. Barry, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Pleasure.
0: Let's get to know a little bit about you, Barry. Now, you said that you were going to be 65 this year.
1: Yeah, in about a month, I start doing the Medicaid brigade, so uh, Medicare brigade uh so yeah 65 in march next month
0: obviously you were uh, a big fan of a lot of earlier comedy i remember you were telling me in our previous conversations
1: right i'm definitely like that core baby boomer guy you know growing up with captain kangaroo and you know uh i love lucy dobie gillis it gets pretty obscure from there too
0: and i guess you're a fan of classic more classic movies in recent movies or is that just a just a, uh you know something I
1: don't think I've seen uh, a recent movie. Uh, I do want to see that um, Brendan Fraser, uh, the whale that looks pretty decent. I think that's uh, brought him back into a a new phase in his career. But as far as I go, um, yeah, it's definitely old stuff, but my favorite movie of all time, I've got to tell you, I've seen it. Oh, I close to 40 times straight through is the Shawshank Redemption. It's just one of those things that pops up on TV And once it's on, I got to watch it through.
0: You're a big Tim Robbins fan? You know, anything
1: that's out there, uh, you know, I'll look at. I'm also a big fan of The Godfather, the original one. Mm -hmm. And I used to do, um, well, actually, I never did stand-up, but back in the 80s, I was doing stuff with an improv group called The Groundlings, which... A lot of people have heard of because they're based out of L.A., but they came to New York for a couple of years. And people in the groundlings who started, everybody from Pee Wee Herman, Will Ferrell, John Lovitz, um, half of Saturday Night Live came out of the groundlings. But um, they started here in New York, and it just wasn't a New York kind of thing. New York seems to be more of a stand-up thing. And the Groundlings was all, you know, create a character, write a character. You know, Pee Wee Herman was one. And um, I think the only super success story out of the Groundlings was a gentleman named Phil Rosenthal, who had a little career uh, creating and executive producing um, Everybody Loves Raymond. So that's no small feat right there. Were there people in your group that people might know of? Um, You know, in my group, basically, it was people, you know, uh, nobody uh, well-known, but people had bit parts on Broadway, um, voiceover artists, and, you know, um, aspiring actors. I really wasn't one of those guys who had an 8 by 10 or anything like that. I just wanted to do this, and they had an audition. In New York uh, an open call about 40 people showed up men women all ages and um, the groundings are structured it's really classes they have level 1 level 2 level 3 and level 4 is essentially you get to perform and myself and one other fellow Bob Klein who still does voice work in Los Angeles and I stay in contact with him he and I were the only two people that bypassed level one and went right on to level two. And we ended up uh, doing some stuff at the old Carolines in New York City where they had sort of a showcase for us. So, you know, I got up to the top and then the ground leaf, leaf. What can I tell you?
0: When you were at Carolines, what kind of stand-up did you do?
1: Well, I didn't do stand-up. That's the whole thing. I, um, it, it was all improv. Basically, a you put improv- together... But I can tell you about the old Carolines. Back in the day, uh, I remember seeing, I mean, two feet away, Jerry Seinfeld, um, Jay Leno. I'm talking right in the beginning. And then the most interesting was Gary Shanling, who, of course, um, we lost uh, at a very young age. And um, I went over to the bar afterwards. He was sitting there, obviously. He wasn't drinking, but we were sitting I was sitting there and just went to say hello. And um I had seen him on a cable show, sort of an interview show with a New York City announcer DJ named Lee Leonard, who I don't know if he's around anymore. And he interviewed Gary and I went up to Gary said, I saw you uh do some stuff on the Lee Leonard show. And he you oh, know, you know, very shy guy, like most comedians. Gilbert Gottfried's another one who I met, and he's very, very shy. Again, we lost him at a young age, and um, yeah, they're very these uh, comedians. The well-known ones are very, very different off stage, uh, which I guess is you know why they have that outward uh, personality on stage. It seems mm-hmm. to be the general rule. But Shanley was a nice guy. Only spoke to him for about five minutes, but. Um, um, uh, then all of a sudden, he's uh, all over the place. Maybe about six months later, I start to see him on television. But, um, yeah, I've had my experience with a lot of uh, celebrities. Uh, a strange one, and I have a cassette of it somewhere, if I could ever find it and digitize it. Um, I also collect records. And uh, my main thing is I'm a big, big Beatles guy. But okay all studio stuff, outtakes, you know, stuff that hasn't been released. And um, I also collected celebrity records, uh, people who quote sang, you know, like Bill Shatner did one, um, the guy who played Goober on Andy Griffith did one. I found a 45 that Milton Berle did, of Yellow Submarine, And exactly on the picture cover, which is actually better than the record. It's him in a Nehru jacket with the medallion around it. You know, he's doing that whole peace sign thing. And I got the uh, single, I don't know. He's kind of uh, talking the verses and then he has a chorus singing in. And I wanted to find out some background. So I said, why, you know, why not? I know he hangs out at the Friars club in Los Angeles. So I, Out of the blue, I called them up. Uh, I asked if he was in the room that day. They said, no, but let me connect you to this guy, Buddy Arnold. I have no idea who Buddy Arnold is, but apparently he's sort of a good friend to Burl. I explained I just wanted to speak to him. He goes, okay, tomorrow, call up Milton at this number. It turns out it was his home number because I think later in his career, Milton Burl managed himself. And I called up, I was told to call up Pacific time at 11 in the morning. And sure enough, Milton picks up himself. And I basically said, I have this 45. He goes, oh yeah, that was about a million years ago. And um, I asked him a couple of questions. He didn't remember it. Yeah, but it was fun speaking to Milton Berle for all of five minutes. He lived a long life. And of course, there are a lot of jokes about him, about his famous appendage, which uh, is legendary, but uh, I didn't go there. That's for sure. That's a Howard Stern thing. I don't, uh, that's out of my realm. Yeah, I've met a lot of nice people. I met Jimmy Stewart. My brother lived in Los Angeles for a while, actually in Brentwood, unfortunately, near where the uh, O.J. Simpson thing happened, literally two blocks away. And he said, I need a favor. And I said, what's that? He goes, there's a dinner in um, two nights for Gregory Peck. Okay, that sounds good. He goes, I need you to be a date for someone. I said, okay. It turns out it was the oldest daughter of the, at that time, mayor of Los Angeles, Dick Reardon, Richard Reardon. So I was the mayor's oldest daughter's date for that night. And it was pretty cool. You know, a lot of people were there, Brooke Shields, Gregory Peck, of course, Rich Little, I remember, and there were probably more, but, um, you know, it's not that I'll never stay around an airport or go to a side door or track anybody or, you know, um, stalk anybody. That's not my thing. I've just been lucky enough to be at the right place at the right time. And that was, that was one, you know, uh, I think Jimmy Stewart was the one of the few times I was ever kind of like my mouth was hanging open. I mean, it's Jimmy Stewart. You know, it's, this is Jimmy Stewart, Jimmy Stewart. But, um, I was also one night I'm I'm not trying to, you know, spill my laurels. This is more or less just stories. Um, I had to see what Spago is like in Beverly Hills, you know, and, I couldn't get in there by myself because I'm I'm nobody. But anyway, I have a friend He goes, okay, we'll go to Spago's. And sure enough, they sat us right near the uh, bathrooms, which is actually a good place when you see people walking by. And a gentleman walks by, uh, tall, thin. And again, it all spilled out. This guy is a movie star, and it was um, Clint Eastwood. I mean, I'm just looking at the guy. Again, they're all regular people. And um, in the late 70s and 80s, I decided to, you know, to write to these people. And I had home addresses. And um, I started writing to people like Desi Arnaz, Maury Amsterdam. um, I'm trying to think, Lucille Ball, uh, Betty Davis, and people of that sort, and Jimmy Stewart. And I found that I was getting back hand-signed photos, not uh, not secretarials or pre-printed. Some of them actually sent me letters, too. I would always ask about um, sort of an obscure role they did. In other words, if you'd start to say, oh, yeah, I remember seeing you on I Love Lucy, that's one thing. But if you talk to Desi Arnaz and say, oh, you know, I know that you produce the mother's-in-law TV show, you know, that kind of grabbed him. I have a real nice collection and I'm on Facebook as is a lot of people. But when I went on Facebook, it was in 2009, I think is kind of when it was starting to get hot. And I decided, look, I'm not going to take pictures of food. I don't want to you know, get into my personal life and my family. I'm not going to put on these cookie cutter um, affirmations that you see, get into politics or anything like that. So I said, I'm going to make this Facebook thing my personal TV show. So I've been posting, you know, over the years, usually on the particular celebrity's birthday, um, an autograph photo, if I have one today, the day we're doing this, it happens to be UB Blake's birthday, the, you know, uh, old right. musician. Yeah. So I actually have an picture of him and, you know, it's kind of like barely legible because he was in his eighties, um, but uh, I do that whenever there's a birthday. I think tomorrow is, um, uh, I'm in Audrey Meadows. I have those two. And The main thing that I wanted to speak to you about, which I find to be kind of my main project, I do these Saturday Night Live bumpers. And if there are people who really don't know what a bumper is, it's the kind of still photo of the host or musical guest in between the commercials. And, you know, you'll see the SNL or Saturday Night Live logo. But I use hosts that are from that time. I would say 95% of the hosts I've used are dead. Um, I You know, I did Don Amici, Don Knotts, um, uh, B, um, B Benaderet. I'm talking about real obscure ones, uh, Gary Coleman, um, uh, Hugh Beaumont from Leave it to Beaver, Hans Hall, uh, all of these people. And I kind of do a good job recreating what those bumpers look like but instead of using you know the current celebrities half of which i don't even know i use these old celebrities it's kind of like what if and it seems to have been going well i have over 400 of these so and i'm still doing new ones i don't like to do repeats but if i'm behind the eight ball i'll quote repeat one from several years ago, but um, yeah, that's my main thing. I'd love to put it in a book. I have about three volumes worth, but um, when you get into publishing books these days, it's you know with online and whatever, it's not as easy as it used to be. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen any of them, but uh, I think they're. I'm I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them to be honest with you, and I'd love to, you know get them out there for more people to see and hopefully enjoy and get on board with it. It's going to be baby boomers, but, you know, that's who I play to. So,
0: yeah, I've seen some of the work that, you you know, that you did send to me and it's Mm -hmm. really great, great stuff. So I know that there are sites where you can even sell those images like on t-shirts or, or mugs or uh, cell phone covers as well.
1: Right, right. Well, that's the whole thing I'm trying. Yep. I'm trying to market this. And the only thing I was concerned about previously was, okay, I'm using Saturday Night Lives, you know, the SNL and their, you know, you want to call it font of Saturday Night Live that they've used. They've used about five or six over the years. And at first I was worried, oh man, you know, somebody, Lorne Mike, somebody's going to see this. And um do a cease and desist. But my brother, who is a coincidentally in Florida, he's a um patent lawyer, he said, all you have to do is say it's satire or parody. He said, because Saturday Night Live themselves does satire and parody of certain commercials and things like that, and they'll use the actual commercial. And um a couple of people have uh I've done them for some friends of mine. I do special requests and uh, a couple of them ended up framed in friends' houses. I'm pretty flattered about that. So maybe I'll start doing, you know, limited editions uh, and uh, go that route. Um, I'm also, I haven't done Instagram yet. So I'm kind of, you know, again, behind the times, but somebody said, put these on Instagram maybe once every other day, a new one. And um, from what I understand, I thought Instagram was sort of, you know, like YouTube or this TikTok thing where people buy commercials. But realistically, all I'm looking for, maybe if somebody or a few people can take a bite and say, I like this guy's stuff you know, because Facebook is sort of self-contained and uh, Instagram, you have these followers and it, you know, it goes here and goes there. So, um, and I do parodies also. I do um, takeoffs on that Meet the Beatles album cover where their faces are shaded. And I've done, again, celebrities um, um, of that sort. Recently, um, I did one kind of uh, a gift to an old friend who's back on Facebook who uh is a super guy, Eddie Deason from uh Greece. So I thought he's a big Beatles fan and I did one for him, sent it over to him and I think he was very pleased about that.
0: Now, yeah, you know, we were talking about the uh the album cover parodies. I know you had one uh it's the Jimi Hendrix experience. You had one the, the Jim Neighbors experience and it was your photos of Jim Neighbors.
1: Right. And then I also did one. I took an old ad from the Fillmore and I did the Jimmy Backus experience. So you saw Thurston Hell the Third. And it's actually a pretty when you see these visuals, it works. It works, I think, because mm. I take them very seriously. If something's not up to my standards or I don't think it, you know, I never throw something up to throw it up. You know, I could sit up all night to try to get the right color, the right shade, the right picture, expression. But, yeah, the the Jimmy Neighbors experience with Don Knotts and Andy Griffith. So <laughs> that was that was one. Yep.
0: And and you were telling me that you don't use like Photoshop or anything like that. You do it all pretty much by hand. Yeah.
1: Well, the thing is, I've always been intimate. Look, I'm a Mac guy. And all I have is a desktop Mac, the iMac. I don't even have an iPhone. When it comes to the phone, I have an Android. So I'm kind of in reverse because most people in the business world have the um, the PC, but everybody's got to have a, a, an iPhone. I'm the other way around. I have the iMac for a computer and an Android for a phone. But no, I never uh, did Photoshop. I was always a bit intimidated by it. although. I think it would behoove me to, you know, learn Photoshop. Obviously, it takes courses and things, but there's a whole bunch of different apps that I have found that I've used, you know, combined, and it gives me the um, it gives me the effects I want. It could pull out the background of uh, of a photo and just give me the um, the human beings, and then I could put my own background in there if it's black and white. I know how to tint it properly where, you know, where it looks like a color picture as opposed to a tinted picture. Yeah, a lot of different apps, but not Photoshop, not yet.
0: You said that you were uh, a record collector. Do you have uh, like a prized possession in your record collection, Barry? Uh, As we speak, I'm looking at it right now.
1: My main thing, I used to collect a lot of Beatles going back to the 70s, you know, the Capitol Picture Sleeves. Uh, A whole lot of bootlegs because here in New York, there was sort of uh, an underground Beatles bootleg community of stuff you couldn't get outside of New York. But, you know, this and that, uh, foreign pressings. But the one thing that I kept because I sold so much of it on um, eBay before it turned out to be a big box store, the Beatles yesterday and today famous butcher cover. And for those who aren't familiar with that, they did an album. Capital put out something called Yesterday and Today, which, you know, was Capital's compilation of miscellaneous tracks that were singles in England, like Day Tripper, We Can Work It Out. Obviously, the song Yesterday is on it. Um, A couple of things that were released about a month or two before um, revolver in England, so Capital needed tracks, so they gave Anya Burke and Sing, Dr. Rupp. but nonetheless, if you uh, went to the store, the album cover photo was this awful picture of the four Beatles sitting there unexcited and Paul sitting in an upright steamer trunk, and it's just against the white background. The original cover was the four Beatles dressed in white butcher smocks with slabs of raw meat and decapitated baby doll heads. And um, it didn't go over well. They actually uh, pressed, oh, I've got to say about 50,000, maybe a hundred thousand of these things. And even before they hit the, um, the retail shelves, they were all recalled. Some made it out like to DJs and things like that. And um, the others, because of financial reasons, they just took this other trunk page, this, you know, awful picture and slapped it over the butcher cover, you know, to save money instead of doing brand new covers. They just kind of slapped it over. And um, there was a way that you could tell if you had a butcher cover because, uh, against the white background, they're all wearing white, uh, smocks with black turtlenecks. And if you look carefully, you could see where Ringo's black turtleneck stood out. And, um, I found one of those in high school and I remember my mom and I slowly steaming that cover off to reveal the butcher cover. And, uh, we did a great job, and I have it in a frame. Like I said, I'm looking right at it, right next to my copy of Bill Frawley sings the old ones. I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Bill Frawley, Fred Mertz uh, fan. I think he was the funniest guy on I Love Lucy, the funniest cast member. So, and he has a birthday coming up too. It's a national holiday in my house. <clears throat> I can imagine. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I just think anytime he walked into a room uh, or made an entrance, it was the funniest thing on Lucy. He could come in wearing his 1909 original boxing, uh, you know, his boxing uh, sweatshirt. Or he'd come in dressed as um, sort of an Adonis to pose for Lucy, who was trying to sculpt. Uh, you know, she wanted it to be a sculpture. Any entrance he made was hilarious.
0: So uh, back back on the Beatles, uh, do you have a, a personal favorite Beatles album?
1: Well, actually, I do. Um, my favorite is because you know the American and British versions differed slightly. I actually like the American version of Rubber Soul, and the reason being is that um, most of the songs are similar to the British version, but the British version had drive. It opens with drive my car. The U S version opens with, I've just seen a face and also has that song. It's only love. And that, so the American version has more of an acoustic folk feel, you know, a little more consistent. So I always liked that one better, but, um, quality wise and musicianship. It was always happy road. I mean, they're really, really playing well on that and, um, you know, they did the reissues with the remixes and um, Ringo comes out pretty well. I mean, I think that he was underrated and once the, you know, uh, they did one for Sgt. Pepper and the White Album, once they were remixed and you can hear what Ringo was actually doing. He was a good drummer, not just good for the Beatles, but he was a good drummer. I know people are going to argue with me and, you know, uh, disagree with me, but I got to stand by that. (laughs) But my favorite is definitely the um, American version of um, Rubber Soul. I was in, I'm also a guitar player. Again, it all kind of ties in and I've been. Oh, I played guitar since I was nine. And as you said, I'm going to be 65 in a month. And, um, I've been in so many Beatle bands. I even auditioned for Beatlemania, And, um, obviously I was cut on the George part, but you know, I got in, you know, callbacks and things like that. But, um, you know, now you see the original Beatlemania people. They're all fat and bald and, you know, 60 and 70 years old. I give them credit for doing it. They throw on the wigs, but, you know, they're 60 and 70 years old. I mean, I guess, you know, you got to make a living at it. You know, they do these Las Vegas, you know, celebrity shows, the cruise ships and stuff. So, you know, they're out there making money. So, I, you know. But, uh, yeah, every George Harrison or John Lennon part I did, including if they made mistakes on the record, I was a little bit, uh, I overdid it to that point. You know, so when it comes to the Beatles, I know my stuff. There was one time that I was in a Beatles band and we played this bar. It was huge. And it was in Hampton's Bays, which you might know out on the island. It was in the dead of winter. I mean, there was snow on the ground. It was 12 Below Zero. We had to play, and there was nobody there. But we were opening for another band. You know, Again, there was nobody there. The name of that band was Flyer. And the female singer ended up... We know her as Cindy Lauper. That was her pre Cindy Lauper band. I didn't know who she was at the time, but she comes up in her little squeaky voice and can I do a number with you? And I'm oh yeah, sure, why not? So she picks um In My Life and we played it and she sang it. She was phenomenal. But again, I didn't know that she was soon to be Cindy Lauper. And uh, so that's, and it's actually in her book, she talks about playing, you know, she doesn't mention us specifically, but she talks about it got to the point where they played this empty bar in the Hamptons in the middle of nowhere. So she actually refers to that night, you know, maybe that's why she ended up going solo because it was just a dismal night as far as no turnout goes. That's another brush.
0: So at least you knew her, you knew her when? This goes back to,
1: I think, 1979. And then I think in the early 80s, she, um, you know, she ended up doing her own thing. But this was her her band before she did solo stuff. I haven't played much recently, unfortunately. I kind of hurt my hand about 10, 11 years ago. And my fretting hand, which for me is my left hand... And um, it's never been the same. So I haven't really gotten back on the horse yet. But, um, you know, the days of me playing, I have to tell you, I was very good. And now I'm not very good. You know, combination of age and that hand accident that I had falling down.
0: Uh, People want to check out your your artwork in the meantime. where, Where can they go? What's your Facebook address?
1: My Facebook address is my name. I put my middle initial in there because there's another Barry Keston, but it's my name, Barry, B-A-R-R-Y. The middle initial is A like Apple, and the last name is Keston, K like kitten, E like Edward, S like Sam, T like Tom, E like Edward, N like Nancy. Barry Keston, regular Facebook thing, come on over, I never turn anybody down, but it is a private page. So you have to go about sending me that friend's request. So um, that's really the only way to see them. And I'll be happy to, you know, let anybody come in and look, even if I'm not familiar with that person. Absolutely. That probably is the best rep- representation of anything I do. The album covers on that. The rare Beetle stuff is there. Um, the Saturday Night Live bumpers are there. So it's kind of like Like I said, it's my TV show, and um, that is the place to look. Again, unfortunately, now it's just Facebook, but when I get onto the Instagram platform, I'll certainly let you guys know when that happens, because that'll be a little bit more accessible.
0: Okay, we can spread the word on that. His name is Barry Keston, and uh, if you want to check out his anywhere, go to his Facebook page and have a look. Barry, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Okay, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure, and um, hope to see you on Facebook.
0: Be a rebel. Follow the show at SherpaLution on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks so much to Barry for swinging by the Sherpa Screening Room. And don't forget, we've got new episodes coming out every Wednesday, whether it's the Sherpa Screening Room or Too Many Podcasts. The podcast about podcasts. And you know how you know you can just have to subscribe to the show this way. You'll always have a new episode waiting for you in your podcast feed, in your podcast app. And we're available on all the podcast apps, pretty much. I got to get on XM one of these days. But all the other ones, too. Especially one called Potopolo, if you want to check that one out. P-O-D-O-P-O-L-O. And that's the one that is made by podcasters and helps podcasters get paid. And you know how much... It will cost you nothing, bupkist, zil, nil, nada. <laughs> and if you like the show, you know what you can do. Just leave me a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And don't forget, you can follow the show on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even sometimes TikTok, at all, at Pollution, and you can hear what's going on at the show. And you can drop a line and say... Hello, I'm listening to your podcast. And while you're doing that, maybe share it with a friend or, or an enemy. Just share it with somebody. We've got to get the word of the Sherpa-lution out there, folks. So in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And I will see you next time. But until then, you will be hearing from me. And viva la sherpa
1: Thanks for listening to the Sherpa Screening Room. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review and share this podcast. I'm Mr. Bruce and this has been a
0: Sherpa Lou Studios production. Viva la Sherpa Lou!